It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Hey, we're the Defective Characters. Three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. And James here. The opinions are our own. We don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today, Crystal will be sharing her experience, strength, and hope with us in episode 80 of the Defective Characters podcast. Let's go. Woohoo. All right. So uh, this is a very special one for me, one that uh, the last uh, year and a half I had been teasing that there were two women uh, in recovery that I owe a debt of gratitude to. And I I think my higher power actually brought them into my life, uh, which was uh, Mary that brought me into my very first meeting and Crystal who introduced me to my first sponsor, uh, who I walked through uh, the steps with, or should I say he walked and I just, he dragged me right along. Um, hmm. And I am forever grateful uh, for Crystal. And, and she's heard this before, but uh, just like, I can't thank her enough. The, I guess it was probably, I think we worked together for a year or maybe just under a year uh, before I got sober and I don't know if I shared this point a couple months prior to uh, me getting sober. She picked up her year chip. And I think on Facebook or something like you shared about it, you, you know, like a picture of it. And I just thought to myself, as I was looking at the, the poster or whatever it was, I was sitting in my car uh, sneak drinking like Jekyll and hiding in trying to get as drunk as possible, as quick as possible and saying, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to do that, but I wish I could. And the next day I came up and said, congratulations to you at work and said, oh, it's so, so great. Um, and I think I wanted to say more cause I knew that I had a real problem. Um, but I just, I didn't know what the solution looked like. and I didn't know much about the program. And then when I got sober, uh, the first day when I hit my bottom, I went to a meeting with Mary and came to you and said, you know, uh, I have a problem, you know, I'm, I'm sneak drinking, I'm not doing well. And you said, okay, well, there's a meeting tomorrow night. And you actually printed off and emailed me a list of meetings and got me to meet my first sponsor. And without you, uh, doing that and extending that hand of AA that we always said we want to be there. Uh, I wouldn't be here today, and uh, I'm just forever grateful for the life I have today because of you and the higher power. And so I know that's a long uh, intro, but I think people need to know who you actually are so that way they can hear uh, your story. So without further ado, uh, Dennis and James, myself, so glad to have you, Crystal, here on the podcast. Oh, Thanks. Wow, that made me a little teary. Oh, anyway, I am Crystal. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, my sobriety date is June 3rd, 2013. I had to think for a minute. I'm like, 
what am I, what is my sorority date? Um, in my home group is the early bird uh, meeting that meets in South Burlington, 7.30 a.m., Monday through Friday. Um, well, it's so great to be here, and I'm really honored that you asked me to speak. It's a real privilege to speak um, on my sobriety, and I, I mean, I say this all the time, but my sobriety is the absolute greatest gift of my life. Um, I would trade everything I have to stay sober if I had to, uh, because there is there's nothing better than being sober for me. Um, oh, I always, I always get teary when I think um, of how lucky I am that I'm sober. I came to Alcoholics Anonymous uh, in, uh, for the first time in 1999, and um, I was desperate as the dying could be, but I did have some reservations. I thought in the back of my head, I don't know if I'm really an alcoholic or if I just have PTSD. And that was a topic I didn't really discuss all that much with anybody. And I'll tell you, um, any little uh, sneaky thought or secret or anything is like a cancer um, inside the brain. And it just lets alcoholism in. Uh, I truly believe that. Like I share every last dirty little detail about my thinking with my sponsor or another alcoholic. I get it all out because, um, you know, my sponsor always says you're only as sick as your secrets. Um, and I, I, it's true. It's absolutely true. So I was sober for 10 years. And in that time, I was very uh, active for the first five years, really into service, uh, had a home group, had lots of sponsees. I did um, ECPA, NECIPA, um, Ikipa, like all of those young people's conferences and I had positions and I was super involved. Um, I did have a spiritual awakening as a result of the step as the result of the steps. But, um, like I said, I had that little piece in my brain that was like, I don't know if this is for you, you know, and it's so funny because all of the evidence proved that yes, this is for me. <laughs> you know, when I drank, I absolutely could not stop. Um, and when I drank, I loved everything about the drink. I loved everything about, you know, when I was active, an active alcoholic, I loved everything about my alcoholism. You know, it was so sick. It was such a sick, sick thing. I loved um, the hangovers. I loved the puking. I loved the blackout. I loved all of it until I didn't. And it worked for me until it didn't. You know, you know I say it worked for me, but it, it didn't really it, I mean, my life was a disaster. I had this deep, dark loneliness inside of me. I couldn't connect with other people. I didn't feel like I was inside my body. I hated all the actions I took. I, I couldn't, you know, who I thought I was and who I really was, they, they were not the same, not even by a long stretch, not even close. And uh, I couldn't get them to meet. I couldn't, I, I couldn't function, you know. Somehow I had jobs, somehow I went to college, somehow I had... Um, sort of relationships, you know, they weren't genuine, but, uh, I thought that I liked it all, you know, but now that I'm sober, I'm like, that was painful. Um, so anyway, I, uh, as I said, what, during that five, 10 years of sobriety, I was very active for my first five years. And then I started really getting arrogant. Um, and I started thinking I deserved things. I deserved raises. I deserved promotions. I deserved uh, certain boyfriends. I deserved a certain lifestyle. Um, and I, I started getting angry that I wasn't getting what I thought I deserved. And my sponsor would always say, 
you know, Crystal, if you got what you deserved, you'd be in prison or you'd be dead, you know? And I was like, fuck you. Hope it's okay to swear because I have quite the potty mouth. I agree. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, anyway, um, and she was right. Like, I deserve to be in prison. I drove drunk all the time. I stole money. I stole things from employers. Um, I did terrible things. And I thought I was a good person that just drank too much, you know, and I was a shit person. I did shit things. And um, I couldn't, I couldn't really come to terms with that, you know, and I did that fourth and fifth step. And I thought I cleaned up stuff. And I, uh, there were some things I didn't, you know, I, I was so angry at my mother. I, I felt like she just destroyed me. I thought it was her fault, you know, that my life was the way it was. And I couldn't come to terms with the fact that my life was the way it was because of me. So anyway, that was going on and thinking like that and having that stuff going on in my head and not letting God in uh, and just living willfully led me to a drink again. And I took an action uh, that I was deeply ashamed of. Um, I'll just tell you, I, I, I met, a married man online. I didn't meet him. I, you know, connected with him, with him online and met him at a hotel and had sex and didn't tell a soul. And I was like eight, seven years sober. I think I don't remember. I mean, I was sober enough to know better if that makes sense. Like that kind of stuff is not going to sit well with a sober person, but I, um, I didn't tell a soul because I immediately felt ashamed and disgusting and gross. And like I had done something that betrayed the core of who I am. And uh, that that turned into an avalanche of sickness, and I and uh, I got worse. I got more and more dry. Basically, I um, I destroyed all my friendships intentionally because, ugh, you know, and uh, and um, somehow, which I'm always still so amazed by, I got married when I was so dry. I mean, I may as well have been drunk, and I got married to this man who just loves me. And on our honeymoon, he just made himself this small little drink uh, with tequila and lime. And the smell just, I couldn't, it was like the cartoon character with the fingers in the pie. I just couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. And my head said, well, Crystal, we know you're just, a, you're just PTSD. You don't have alcoholism. You haven't had a drink in 10 years. You're, you're totally fine. And I said, wow, head, you are right. And man, isn't that the first sign of like wicked alcoholic thinking, having a thought and believing it. <laughs> uh, so I did. And I said, yes, head, you're right. Let's drink. And I drank and I had that same, you know, really terrifying feeling that every last soul, every last uh, cell in my entire body. Sorry, a cat fight. <laughs> I have a lot of animals, <laughs> just a little cat fight right there. Um, every last cell in my body was relieved from that first drink. And, uh, you know, I woke up the next day and nothing terrible happened. And I, I truly believe that is the worst thing for an alcoholic to have happen is have nothing happen when you drink. Um, so I was off and running and I drank for four years. And I will tell you, I, nothing happened you know, I didn't go to jail. I didn't get into any car crashes, but nothing happened. I didn't make any friends. I stopped doing art. I just got more and more isolated and dark. It, everything got really dark, um, really, really dark. 
like all I could do was drink. Every last bit of light in my life was taken away by alcohol in a way that I did not know was possible. Um, like I just, I couldn't do anything but drink. And I, I didn't realize that was something that happened to alcoholics. Like it had happened to me before I got sober, but I wasn't fully aware of how devastatingly awful it is to want to do something other than to drink and not be able to. Um, I would wake up and I'd have all these ideas of what I'd wanted to do, but I'd be so hungover. I would have to have a drink to shake it off. And then that would be it. I'd have to drink all day. Um, and it was incredibly dark and lonely. Um, there is nothing worse than having, having the sunlight of the spirit in me and then just shutting the door on it, slamming the door on it and just being in darkness. Like that is the loneliness um, that I've ever, ever felt. And I am so incredibly grateful that I don't have to live like that today. And I lived like that for about four years, like I said. And the day before I came back to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was pretending to garden. Um, really, I was just sitting there with a mug full of wine. And I had it in a mug because, you know, on the end of my private road where I have one neighbor that could see me, um, I didn't want them to know I was drinking, but they can't really see me. Like, it was so insane. I didn't want anyone to know what I was doing, how much I was drinking, whatever. And nobody, you know, no one is thinking about me. <laughs> like that still bothers me to my core that nobody's thinking about me. Cause of course I am still a self-centered alcoholic. Um, luckily I just have God to help me with that today. So I was thinking to myself uh, the day before I came back to Alcoholics Anonymous that my life was fine. Like this was fine. I could just, I still walked my dogs, you know, that this was fine. I could just drink and be with my dogs and everything would be fine. And um, I woke up the next morning with this hangover like I've never had, like the full body shake hangover. Um, and I was driving myself to my little part-time job that I could barely manage, thinking to myself, like, what am I going to do? Like, this can't, I can't do this. I, this is not acceptable. And I, I swear God just came in, the voice that was not my own in my head said, you can just go back to Alcoholics Anonymous. And as soon as that thought came into my head, I feel like I just raced myself to work because I had to get to the computer so that I could email my sponsor and ask her to sponsor me again and just say, I need to come back to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I felt like it was this window that was really slowly closing that if I didn't take action immediately, that the window would slam shut and I'd be stuck like that forever. And I mean, that's kind of true for me with my willingness. Like if I have willingness to do something, I have to do it now. I can't, I can't plan on having willingness later. <laughs> like, either I, it happens now or it's probably not going to happen with me. Um, so I'm grateful that I know to take action when I have the willingness. And if I don't have willingness, I do pray for it. Um, so anyway, I, I reached out to her and I said, hey, um, I want to come back to AA. Will you sponsor me again? And uh, she emailed back within seconds. I didn't dare to call her because I was so afraid she wouldn't pick up or that she wouldn't sponsor me or she wouldn't be nice or whatever sick thing that was going on in my head. Um, but she emailed back, yes, I love you. Go to a meeting. And, uh, you know, and I did. I went to a meeting. Like, I still can't believe it. It's I, I think God just brought me there. I think God put me in the car, drove me to Brown Bag and um, walked me in. You know, and I, I, I do, I feel like I sat in the parking lot and I was really full of anxiety and I feel like I just dragged myself in by my own hair and I somehow uh, raised my hand and said I was coming back. And that those were like the hardest words for me to say, because I had been so arrogant before I went out and, you know, I thought everybody was thinking about me. <laughs> um, so I said those words and um, 
And then I wasn't going to get numbers because no, I'm not doing that. And I had a woman walk up to me and ask me if I was getting numbers. And it's like, she froze, froze the sickness in me out and, um, cracked, cracked me open. It's, it's the craziest thing. And of course I gave her, I got her number and I called her and, um, and I've been so incredibly willing the whole time. And it's, you know, it's been almost eight years in June, it'll be eight years. And I, I just do whatever is asked of me in Alcoholics Anonymous if I can. And I do what my sponsor says. And I tell her the absolute truth about myself. I tell her every, like I said, every last stupid little thing I just, I just tell on myself for, and, um, and I've gotten to stay sober and I have a peace within me that I had, I've never experienced and didn't know that that could be something that I could have ever. I always thought that I'd have a rat brain and that I would just be crazy. And um, that the best thing for me would just be that I didn't drink, but I've gotten so much more, so much more than that. Even though the best thing for me is to not drink. I have uh, reaped so many benefits because of Alcoholics Anonymous. I did a fourth and fifth step that just really, um, gave me so much peace, so much peace in my heart. I had so many deep resentments about things that happened to me as a child that were yucky. And of course the resentment against my mother. And when I did that, writing it out, it didn't really happen so much, but when I was reading it with my sponsor, I was like, Holy shit. You know, if I had been, um, in my mother's shoes, I don't know that I would have done any differently either. Like, who am I to say that I could do a better job than God? Because either God is everything or God is nothing. So either God was there my entire life or God wasn't. And I believe that God was. Um, so who am I to judge her, really? And who am I to be so angry at some people who have harmed me when they were really doing the best they absolutely could? You know, it's not the best that I would like, um, but everyone is doing the best. Everyone. God is there with them and they're doing what they can do. I truly believe that um, just because I don't like it and it, it harmed me. It doesn't mean that it's part of, part of something bigger than me, you know, and I don't know that I would be any different than anyone given the same circumstances. So I got deep, deep healing for that and um, really just big acceptance that I had never had. And I'm so grateful because living with resentment and sickness in my heart will kill me. It'll, it'll get me drunk. So I'm very grateful that that happened for me. And I also was able to make amends to one of my friends that I had um, destroyed our friendship because I was dry. Really. There was no, Oh, there's the dog. There was no other reason um, that our friendship was destroyed by me other than that. I was dry and separate from Alcoholics Anonymous. And she, <clears throat> was my best friend. We had been roommates. We, uh, our sobriety was really close and, um, she was just my absolute best friend. And she ended up getting breast cancer and before, and she passed away. But before she died, I was able to really clean that up and have a friendship with her again. And, um, you know, it was so beautiful that I made amends and she forgave me. Like I was a fucking asshole and she forgave me. Like what a, a tremendous gift um, that I got to have from that. It was really, I'm really grateful for that. And, uh, so that was really huge. And that was all like within the first couple of years. And I distinctly remember the moment when I looked in the mirror and I loved what I saw like that. There's nothing comparable to, um, not feeling ashamed when I look at who I am. 
that really is a tremendous gift of Alcoholics Anonymous. And then really it's just been this like continual uh, path to be getting closer to my higher power. And that looks like me letting, what that looks like is that I let people get closer to me. And that's been a really tough one for me. So, <clears throat> you know, fear of people is a huge one for me. And uh, I just continually walk that road where I let people in and trust my higher power and trust that I'm taken care of no matter what. And um, so I do that. And like we were chatting a little before this started, I worked at the same place as uh, Mike for <laughs> all of my sobriety, really all but like six months of my sobriety. I had this job that was challenging in so many ways. And my sponsor would always say to me, you're going to get so much spiritual growth <laughs> from this job. And I, I really, I constantly had to pray and ask God to help me behave ask God to help me withhold my judgment and keep my mouth shut. Um, and I learned how to work with people I despise. <laughs> um, and I think that's a miracle. I learned how to behave. Um, and I learned how to have acceptance. And, and then I finally, and I looked for jobs all throughout this, this time. Like I would be like, that's it. I got to get the fuck out of here. And I would apply like crazy and I couldn't find anything and I wouldn't get any responses. And this last time um, I, I was like, that's it. I got to get out of here. And I applied like crazy and I had so many interviews, so many responses. And I, and I finally, I did find a job and I'm out. And it was like, it was in God's time, not my time. Like I really believe whatever work I had to do there is finally done, you know, <laughs> whatever it is for me or for anyone else. And um, before I left, one of the people I work with said, hey, if I ever get so sober and used you as a sponsor, could we still be friends? And I was like, holy shit, I planted seed. You know, maybe that's well, it's making me cry. Maybe that's why I was there. You know, maybe like I got all of my gifts, but maybe I was there to help this other person. And it really had nothing to do with me at all, <laughs> you know? Um, so we'll see if she gets sober, but sorry, I was taken by surprise crying about that one. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so that, that's been a huge, um, a huge spiritual growth for me having that job. And then, you know, having everything, you know, Mike getting sober and just, uh, learning how to work with others and learning how to be a worker amongst workers. Like that was really a big thing for me. And then of course this past year with the, pandemic in Vermont, everything shut down and we weren't able to have in-person meetings and really spend time with each other. And it really forced me uh, to work my 10th and 11th steps like I had never worked them before. <clears throat> like every single day, I just sat there with a big book and read pages like 84 through <laughs> is it 89. I think. And I just would read it every day and really ask God to direct my thinking, ask God to help me pause when I was agitated, you know, and help me just help. I asked deeply for help every day. And I was constantly examining, you know, what's going on for me and asking God to remove my defects as they came up. And um, like, I've really, it's amazing that when my thinking starts going, I'm able to redirect it. And I have never been able to redirect my thinking <coughs> um, on my own. Like I'd have to call my sponsor and or text my sponsor and like run down the hall and talk to Mary or call another alcoholic or 
la, 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 la. And now I can, it's like, I can change the channel and that I never thought that would be something available to me. And it is. And the, 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 the thing is though, that's only available to me if I continue to work the steps and I continue to keep in close contact with my higher power. Like these, none of these things that I get from Alcoholics Anonymous are mine to keep unless I do the work every single day. I can't coast. I can't sit on my laurels. I have to consistently show up for Alcoholics Anonymous and show up and ask my God, my higher power to uh, keep me connected. And I think that's how I get to have, you know, peace in my heart and serenity. Um, also this year, my mother died and she died in May. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I was in the hospital room. I held her hand. And I was there when she passed away. And that is amazing. If I hadn't worked this program, I wouldn't have shown up. I would have been like, yeah, she deserves to die in the hospital by herself, you know, or some terrible, terrible thing. But instead, I was there with my sister and my brother. And we all stayed the day with her until she left. And I stayed sober, you know, and I, I, I immediately called my sponsor and then I went to a meeting. Um, and I, I shared about all of my feelings every day. And, uh, and I got through it without drinking. You know, I've gotten through everything that's come up in my life without drinking. So I am incredibly grateful to be sober. I have to get a drink of water, <laughs> but thank you so much for having me. And I think, I think that's everything. Awesome. Thank you so much, Crystal. Uh, I'm Mike, Grateful Alcoholic. Sobriety date, September 8th, 2014. Uh, now's the time where we get to identify and kind of uh, thank you in that way that alcoholics do best by saying, hey, you're not original. I've done that too, um, which I know is what keeps me sober because I felt so alone. I mean, I was literally drinking uh, alone and, you know, your sobriety date being June. So, yeah, it was three months beforehand um, before I came into the, the rooms and hit my bottom that you received your year uh, when we were working together. And it's funny, I don't remember... I know, like in my job, I was part of a lot of the interview uh, process. I wasn't in the room when you got hired, right? Or was I? No, I, I, got, I think it was over the phone I got hired. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's probably for the best. Those interviews <laughs> in person were they, were, they were terrible. And I was an alcoholic at the time. So there was a couple times where I would be interviewing people. And I literally ripped the resume in half and said, this is all fine and good, but tell me who you really are. As I was that much of an asshole. Wow, I, was, I was the worst. Dennis, don't judge me. I am, I'm judging you so hard right now. So um, it's, for, it's for the best. You know, you, you definitely, um, you brightened my day because, uh, like I mentioned before, uh, in the, the last episode, I talked about how uh, we went to the Serenity Group, which was Tuesday and Thursday at 630 uh, in Essex Junction, Vermont, and we were waiting outside, and my first sponsor, Dave, walked up, and you said something to the extent of, oh, Dave, Mike, okay, have fun, and then you walked away, and you walked into the meeting, um, <laughs> and that, at the end of that meeting, he, you know, he spoke, and, you know, he doesn't speak in a ton of meetings, uh, but, you know, he shared and I identified and asked him if he could actually be my temporary sponsor that turned into my sponsor for the first year and a half. Um, you know, there are so many amazing times that 
um, within that first year, you gave me reminders like when I six months in was going on vacation for the first time um, or the holidays were coming up. And I said, oh, I, you know, I wasn't able to hit a meeting today while I was trying to do a 90 and 90. But I hit two meetings the day before and you said, well, that doesn't count. So you got to start over. Um, you know, <laughs> two meetings, you know, they call it 90 meetings in 90 days, but you do a meeting a day. It's not just, oh, I went to five today, so I don't have to go back till next Tuesday. See, I didn't know that. I just, I calculated mine by uh, like. Crystal's, you know, Crystal's hardcore. You know, somebody's <laughs> hardcore when they have roosters crowing in the background. Yeah. During that. Did you think that was a sound machine? James, did you know there was actually like farm animals, chickens and roosters? James, you still there? We might have, we might have, yeah, we might have even lost James at this point. Uh, we'll connect with him back in. But I love the fact that what it truly took is uh, me listening to you and the other people that were uh, Mary and my first sponsor and the fellowship to know that I can I can get through anything without a drink or a drug, you know, like I can go to a wedding without it. Uh, I can deal with, uh, you know, death of a member in the, the fellowship. I think the thing that was so amazing, I was seven, I think seven days sober or maybe just over that when, uh, I think his, his name, Irwin. Um, oh yeah. When he, when he passed away and, I wasn't able to attend his uh, wake or funeral, but they said there was something like 500 drunks that just showed up at his and, and his family was like, you know, like the, the family that knew actually knew him. You know how you have the fringe family that are just there. The fringe family were like blown away and they're like, what in the world? Um, you know, and we know that that's, that's just what happens because we share more in the rooms uh, a lot of times because especially the crazy, you know, like when we have a crazy thought uh, and I was glad that I had that couch in, in my office that we could have many, uh, you know, many meetings in between and sneak away and go to Brown bag and hang out with uh, so many of the familiar faces, you know, and have the best snacks ever. Um, <laughs> you know, there. And it's, it's just like those little things that when I moved here, I was, I was truly upset that I was, I didn't know if I was going to have, have it when I had a year and a half sober. So I made sure that I spoke in every meeting and, and claimed my seat. And that was something that you said, like, don't just sit on the outside of it. And maybe it was because you were there at one point and knew that, you you can easily fall off if you don't stay in the herd and stay in the center of it. So uh, that was a great reminder that um, that I have, and, and you, you reminded me when you were speaking. So uh, thank you again, Crystal, for sharing today. Dennis, hello, my name's Dennis, and I'm an alcoholic. Dennis, why are we doing the meeting introductions? Like we normally don't do that. Uh, well, <laughs> you've never met Crystal. Hi, Crystal. My sobriety date, six six seventeen. Um, you know, I, I thank you like for sharing. I really enjoyed your story. I think it was uh, thought provoking and a reminder. Like I, I can relate to 
what you said early on whenever before you came into the rooms and, and like your drinking habits and the life you live like works for you until it didn't and like that's how it was for me where like I could like you know most of my life and all of my adult life I was I was drinking and drugging and whatever and like that life worked for me I was getting by I was surviving I was relatively happy or at least I think I was and then towards the end it just stopped it all like flipped you know I started having more health problems from drinking like the hangovers would last like a week instead of a day and like I like smoking pot started triggering uh like anxiety attacks and stuff like that and so I knew I needed to like quit and all of that so eventually I did quit and then I was like dry and miserable for like a year and a half before I came into the rooms but it it probably wasn't like maybe about six months or more into the rooms where I had to like go back down to like Tampa which is my hometown and like interact with friends that I hadn't talked to in a few years and because like a basically a friend of mine like OD'd and it was like his funeral or whatever and they had like photo albums of his life and stuff there and it was like I had known this kid since I was like 15 years old and so I was in a lot of these photo albums and these photo albums were filled with like pictures of us partying and just doing crazy stuff. And like, cause that's basically all our life was for, for like 15, 20 years of our life. And, uh, and I had a weird experience where I looked back on it with like, you know, sober eyes, completely like different person or whatever. And like the memories I had of like these glamorous nights and these crazy wild, like, Shangri-La style parties and stuff like all of a sudden looked like gross you know for a lack of a better word it I was like holy shit like it really like highlighted the lifestyle that I was living you know so I would think like I was cool and partying we had all these fun stuff and we had girls around and all of this stuff but then like looking at those photos I remember it was like stark reminder that no we were pretty much living in squalor we were spending all of our money on like drugs and alcohol and like eating bags of potato chips to survive you know but like in my alcoholic delusion and stuff like none of that mattered and it wasn't it was a while until I got sober that I could actually even see that you know and I think it's a blessing that I did take that trip during that that time period of my sobriety but um another thing that i can relate to is is and i think a lot of alcoholics can is the that loneliness that deep loneliness that we have um even like when we're surrounded by people or family or people that we know that we care about i always felt empty and alone like no one understands me no one like really cares about me or likes me or whatever and it's just this like dark emptiness that's there um you know thank god that's not how it is now really like even like i'm dealing with anxiety issues now that i have been for the last few months just because of how crazy the world is and everything but um even in doing that like 
I can't be alone, even no matter how hard I try to isolate and whatever. I got people that are reaching out to me and letting me know they care and like calling me and like so many that I can't even talk to everyone, you know, like and and that's a good feeling, though, to like know that I'm like surrounded by people that literally want nothing from me except for me to be okay and to do the best that I can and that they'd give their shirt off their back for me if they could, you know, and I'm very, very grateful for that. So that even makes like the uncontrollable dark times a lot brighter, you know, and, and, you know, that's because of God and AA, you know, 100%. Um, but yeah, again, thank you very much for sharing your story. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Alcoholic uh, James is my name. Crystal, thanks so much for um, your brilliant share. Um, I really got a lot out of it. And uh, I, I identified with a lot of it. Uh, my sobriety date is June 2nd, 2000, oh. 2017. So it looks like you, uh, Dennis, and I have a pretty close uh, sober date, which is pretty cool. Um having a party this year we um you know i came into the rooms long before 2017 and um unlike you i did not stay sober for 10 years you know i was in and out i could i couldn't stay sober for more than a month and um you know my life just got just dragged through the dirt through the mud if you will and um finally you know i just said f it and i I just like, I'm, I'm going to drink, you know, I don't care. And a lot like you, I was uh, just, I was out for four years until things, you know, took a turn for the worst. I I really liked when you um, were talking about how you thought you were, you just, you drank and you did bad things. Uh, but you realized that, you know, you know, you know, you were just, you were a bad person that did horrible things. I'm rephrasing, but um I got to a point in my life where, you know, I said the same thing, like, man, I am not a good person. You know, a, a, a good person with integrity would not lie about everything and steal from the people he loved, you know, who would uh, do anything he could just to get a drink or a drug. You know, when I came to that point, you know, that that lead me down a darker path and I just drank more to repress those feelings. Another thing you were talking about is, you know, the things that happened when you were a little kid, you know, I had to come and face a lot of things that, you know, on my fourth and fifth step that, um, you know, I was, I was just a little kid. Things happened and, you know, it's okay. You can talk about this now with a, your trusted sponsor. And um, I too, when I did my fifth step, I, I felt this, this relief that, that it's undescribable. And um, I felt a sense of freedom that I had not felt um, since I was a child. And once I had this freedom, you know, I, I really saw AA and the steps and, and the, the program and, and all its glory for what it was. It's just a, a design for living that, that helped me become the best person I could possibly be um, under God's eye. And um, I heard a lot of God in your share. Um, I heard a lot of... You know, just really starting a new way of life and things opening up. And um, it sounds like you've been rocketed. Um, I, too, feel like I have been rocketed. And it's only by his grace and um, his glory. 
you know, he's, he has been with us the entire time. And, um, we just now we open the doors and we let him in and it's such a good feeling knowing the truth. And uh, I'm so glad you shared your podcast. I mean, your, uh, your story with us. Um, this was a good reminder that we need to have more people on because I truly love sitting and listening uh, to other people, their experience, strength, and hope. It really, it's refreshing, you know, instead of just listening to us three talk all the time. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, I get annoyed with myself, too. Yeah, I mean, really, it's it's usually Dennis's department, I'll be honest, Crystal. And <laughs> he, it's his job to find people. It's just, he's, I don't know, you've been resting on your laurels, your lazy boy laurel that you got over there. <laughs> the, the global pandemic has made it quite yeah, difficult to get people. people. <laughs> don't be one of those people. Nobody likes those people, Dennis. Uh, I'm sorry. We used to drink with those people, and now those people are still at the bars. And look at us. Uh, I'll, I'll try harder. Sitting, staying in the sunlight of the spirit. Uh, Crystal, I want to thank you so much. And maybe you can uh, close the podcast out with uh, any words for somebody who is listening, hasn't made it to the first meeting yet. Um, any words that you can share with them to, get to, I guess, nudge them there? Things that you've heard in the rooms over the years? Huh. Let me think. <laughs> like, what would nudge someone into the rooms? Um, you never have to feel like this again. I love that. I think. Yeah. Never have to be this lonely again. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I uh, I would like to say next time that I am in Vermont, you will be the only reason that I will be there. Uh, <laughs> you in the you in the rooms. Um, anytime that you find yourself in Celebration in Orlando, um, I know that I'll be hearing from you, and maybe we can do this in person next. That'd be time. fantastic. So we will be back next Thursday sharing our experience, strength, and hope with you on episode 81. We're the defective characters and entirely ready to have all these character defects removed. Remember, God is everything or God is nothing. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day.